Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message entitled Prepare the Way was given by Darren Roundson and Bill Dockstrom and is the first in our series, Advent. How's everybody doing? Good? Nice uh, little change up. For those of you that are new, um, we're mixing things up tonight. Um, we're starting a new series for just a few weeks. If you didn't know, uh, Christmas is here, apparently. Starts the day after Thanksgiving. How many of you guys knew that? Anybody? <laughs> How many of you guys have your Christmas tree already? Let me just see those hands. Okay, and let's let's just keep them up. Keep them up. Honestly, how many of you had them before Thanksgiving? Keep them up if they're if it was you. Okay, there we go. I was expecting that. Okay. So uh, it seems that Christmas just keeps coming sooner and sooner. And um, you know, I was. Uh, it's funny because I was at South Coast Plaza yesterday. And uh, that's a dangerous place to be. I haven't been there in a long time, but I noticed just craziness. Just busy um, shopkeepers. I mean, just, just the crazy people moving around for the big um, Friday and Saturday sales. And it was funny because I, as I was going up the third escalator and looking at just the Christmas de- decoration all over the place, I told Alex, I'm like, babe, it really is Christmas. And I know that when I'm at a mall. And it's true, ever since I was a kid, I always have known it's Christmas time when I start going to malls and stuff. And I thought that was funny. I thought that was uh, actually really interesting, because Christmas is really the, 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 the celebration of Jesus' birth. And why is it that when I find myself thinking that it's Christmas when I'm at a mall? Um... You know, it, it's, it's even funnier when I started thinking about the, the ideas of, of the words that came to my mind when I thought about Christmas. Um, I, you know, I thought of stockings and gifts, presents, Santa Claus, It's a Wonderful Life, um, that, that movie where the kid gets shot in the eye. Um, I don't even remember the story. No, um, but I, you start thinking of these, these words that come to mind. But honestly, what some of the other words were like, you know, the awkward family members that I'm going to see. Um, but busy comes to mind and stressful. And I started looking at some uh, cultural articles, if you will, online. And it was fascinating. Some of the, the main articles I read, were, were, these were the, these were the head, headlines. How to overcome the anxiety of Christmas shopping. Four ways to overcome Christmas stress. Channel 4 Stress Survival Guide to Christmas. And making the most of stress at Christmas. That's crazy. And the statistics of, of Christmas is that it's the busiest and one of the most stressful times that we go through as people in the United States. Um, studies have been shown, and in fact, here's a Christian study done for about 20, with 20,000 Christians in the United States. Um, it was talking about busyness and, and not specifically towards um, Christmas, but it, I read all these articles about busyness of Christmas time, so I just I was reading this article, and this guy, this doctor, described this vicious cycle that has to do with being busy and distracted that Christians go through. And here's the cycle he described. First of all, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, which then leads to God becoming more and more marginalized in Christian lives, which then leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which then leads to a Christian becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which then finally leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. 
And the cycle continues. And, and he did a study, and the professionals who are busy and how it, re, it directly impacts their relationship with God. And it said that 72% of lawyers say that their busyness distracts their relationship with God. 67% of managers are distracted by their, their busyness from God. 66% nurses. I love this one. 65% of pastors say that the lifestyle they have distracts them from their relationship with God. 65%. And it goes on teachers, 64%, salespeople, 61%, business owners, 61%, and housewives, 57% of their lifestyle of busyness distracts them from their relationship with God. And I thought, wow, culture is moving at this rapid pace and we are simply assimilating into that, into that pace. And so today, we thought it was appropriate that we um, started the Advent season. Uh, this is uh, the, the new year for the church calendar. The Western Liturgical Church begins the year with Advent. Advent is not this thing. How many of you have one of these? Chocolate. I stole this from my house. Alex doesn't even know this. Uh, it's the chocolate windows. You open it up and it's the countdown to the Christmas day. Um, that's, that's not what it is. Advent means, um, it's from the Latin word um, Adventus, which comes from the Greek word parousia, which simply means arrival or coming. And it is a season in which the church starts off the year by waiting. The beginning of the church calendar starts off with waiting and, and, and expectantly uh, preparing for the arrival of Jesus Christ. Literally, the church all over the world, liturgical churches, practice disciplines of fasting, of prayer, of intentional waiting for the sake of being ready to receive Jesus on Christmas Day. And not even just the day, but really a season of just preparedness, of slowing down enough that when the day comes, we can celebrate the incarnation, God coming to flesh, and all of that, and all of that, of what that entails. You know, it's, it's funny, Christmas, I feel like it's become perverted. The word that comes to mind is consumerism. And this is an interesting statistic. For, we spend in the United States alone $450 billion every year on Christmas. $450 billion every single year on Christmas-related items. Gifts, decor, all that stuff. I'm not saying it's bad, but the consumerism of the United States is fascinating. You know what the number one killer is in the world? More people die every day because of water-related issues. They don't have clean water. It's the number one killer. Guess how much it would cost to solve that, work, that problem so that every single person on this planet would have access to water? $10 billion. I think we've missed the point as Christians what Christmas really is and what it's about. So what we're going to do is an Advent series. We are going to prepare as a church to, and wait for the Lord. This season is going to be, um, you've already seen it here, we're trying to slow down our services so they're not frantic, not sit up, sit, get down, go to the crosses. We're just going to create some space, have some conversations, and worship the Lord. And we're going to have some artistic expression in the future in the next coming weeks. Um, in fact, next week we're going to give everyone a calendar, not a chocolate calendar, but an Advent calendar. We've prepared scripture for our whole church to read together for the next, uh, it will be from Sunday to uh, the three Sundays away, so about 21 days of just scripture together. And also with that, there's going to be um, 
disciplines that we can participate in, fasting and prayer during the times of the week. So as a church, I, I just it, it's very easy to, to succumb to the frantic pacing of, of making this a really big deal. Um, and the way we're going to make this a really big deal is by simply slowing down and preparing ourselves well. So I want to invite Bill up. Bill's going to be um, speaking tonight. Um, but so we're starting our new series, and I look forward to doing this with you, Bill. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, the worst part about waiting is waiting, right? Um, it, it is, it is um, that I don't get what I'm waiting for until I've waited for it. I've um, been thinking about... Um, the reason it takes nine months for a baby to be born. Think about, think about that. What's that about? Well, we want to say it's viability and growing and and coming to uh, to a place where life can be sustained. And some of us have walked with people uh, with with kids who've been born prematurely, and and you get why um, nine months is about is about right. But I've also, you know, we've welcomed three sons into our home, and I realize with each one of them that had they been born within a day or two after we knew they were coming, we would not have been ready for their arrival, especially the first one. It took us nine months to get ready for... I mean, yeah, there was the excitement of, of Judy being pregnant. There was the excitement of the, the first... You know, trimester and checking out in the first trip, you know, and the heartbeat and the ultrasound and all of that. Well, look at that thing. That, 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 that's a boy in there. Whoa, look at that. Um, and, and, uh, with just the, the, the heartbeat, you know, and watching that and listening and, and the, all of that excitement. And then, and then, you know, you get second and then third trimester and finally it's just, you know, can we please, somebody needs to move out here. Uh, this has gone on too long. Um, he should be paying rent if he's going to stay in much more, uh, you know. And and then, you know, getting the room ready and getting the house ready and, and, and all of this stuff and going all to the classes and all of those things. It's just a lot of preparation for arrival. And Advent is a season in which we say um, the arrival of, of Jesus, the, the meaning of incarnation. We need to prepare ourselves for that. Uh, we tend to skip like a rock over the surface of our lives and um, then complain about how busy we are and, and wonder why we're, we're, we're bored when we're not constantly entertained and wonder why we can't sit still for any length of time without something having to, to happen. And, and we think that, that if, if, if we can just generate enough stuff outside, then we'll be okay. Uh, but the truth is, uh, waiting is an inside job. Stillness is an inside job. So I'd like you to listen to a parable, first of all. Uh, and then we're going to just spend a few minutes and thinking in, in thinking about this. Because the text, uh, it, the, the, there's a verse of Scripture that says, in, When the fullness of time had come, Jesus was born of a virgin. The fullness of time had 
become Jesus was one. What does it take for time to become full? Take, as it were, a a, a pitcher of water, a pitcher of seconds, a pitcher of minutes or months, and, 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 and pour it in until time became full. How can we picture the kingdom? It is like a farmer who goes out and um, plants his seed. And then he goes home and he sleeps at nighttime. And in the day he gets up. And, 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 and how the crop grows, he, he does not know. As far as he knows, the earth produces the crop all by itself. First the First the stalk, and then the leaves in the stalk, and finally the, the grain at, at the head. And, and then, when the harvest permits, he thrusts in the sickle, because harvest time. The kingdom of God is like that. A strange little parable. It's in Mark chapter 4. Jesus tells three parables of sowing. This is the middle one. In which he just says, sowing and reaping are separated by distance for a reason. That preparation is required for harvest. That that the fullness of time is not determined by the sowing. It's determined by the crop. You have to be a student of the crop. Some of you, I was worshiping in the back there, uh, have been waiting for something for a long time. But you haven't, you've been paralyzed in your waiting. Because you want, instead of waiting to receive, we are trying to grab. Does that make sense? We're trying to make something happen. Whether it's in a relationship or whether it's in a, in a, in a job or whether it's in a career, we've been trying so hard to make something happen that, that when we get close, we start grabbing at it instead of waiting for time to fill up. We are, are like my... Uh, my 16-year-old son, he's going to be 17 in two weeks, is uh, working on getting his driver's license. And um, he's learning on a stick shift on, a, on, a, uh, on, on my truck. And, and that's, 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 that's fun for those of us who are riding with him in the, in the cab at the time. But um, Peter doesn't like, once he's in gear, he doesn't like to get out of gear. Because he figures once this sucker's going, you, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to screw it up. So, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to accelerate <laughs> to full stop. You, you know what I mean? He, 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 he attacks stop signs. Because you never know whether we'll be able to get this thing going again, right? Anybody live like that? 
we just race as fast as we can, and then we hit Thanksgiving Day, and then it's, okay. Right? You know that we're built for a rhythm that includes rest, that includes Sabbath, that includes non-anxious living. Advent is about receiving rather than grabbing. It's about saying, Father, You know more than I do what I need. So I'm not going to grab at every gift that passes by that I think, everything that shines. Because perhaps you've already discovered that everything that shines isn't gold. And instead of grabbing at things that pass by, at relationships, at people, at friendships, careers, I'm going to rest. I'm going to plant the seed and go to sleep and rest and wait with hope. Because waiting is an active word, isn't it? It's not just waiting around that the farmer does. He is waiting and he is studying the seed. He doesn't know how it grows. He hasn't got that level of understanding. As far as he knows, like the text says, the the ground just produces the crop all by itself. He doesn't know where it's coming from. So he has to be a student of the soil. He has to be a student of the seed. And he has to be ready when harvest time comes to thrust in the sickle, to, to, to reap the harvest. And if he is working all of the time when he should be resting, he won't have resource for harvesting when that time comes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We just get so busy doing so many things that when we really come to the one thing we want to invest ourselves in, we have no capacity to receive it. And Jesus' coming is a gift that you can't grab. You have to receive. Remember John in the prologue? We'll get to it here in a couple of three weeks, I think. To as many as grabbed him, to them gave he the power to know. As many as received him, to those he gave the power, the capacity to become sons and daughters, the children of God. See, Jesus knew how to tell time. And He wants us who are His disciples to learn how to tell time. You've heard this before, but let me just unpack it just briefly. There's a difference between chronos time, chronological time, minute by minute by minute by minute by minute, and kairos time, in which time becomes full. And the difference is not in the cycle or in the sequence. It's in the presence. Are you present in time, or are you just is it just one damn thing after the next? You see, does it just click along? Do we just punch the clock of our lives and then wonder at the end of the day 
where it went? Or can we become for a moment present where we are? It's going to be an interesting experiment for us as our worship teams just lead us gently into a space and place, into silence. We get nervous with silence. Why? Because we want and need something happening. How do we train ourselves to receive? Slow down. Don't grab. Each moment, Paul says, take advantage. Make make the most of every opportunity. Redeem, he says, the time. Jesus knew how to tell time. And as a result of that, every moment for him was filled with eternity. People around him didn't know how to tell time. So for them, it was just one thing after another. One thing after another. Their day timers were filled. Their scheduler, their PDAs were jam-packed. Their days were spent running from one appointment to the next. Now, please, don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Sometimes you had to run to keep up with Jesus. Right? But at the same time, every moment for him was filled with eternity. He was constantly conscious of his Father's presence with him. He invites us to live that way. It seems to me that the thing that prevents us from living that way is the busyness with which we define our lives. I shop, therefore I am. I consume, therefore I am. Jesus just says, can you sit with me for a while? Can you wait with me for a while? Have you ever been invited into the presence of someone that you deeply, deeply respect and admire and love just to share the stillness without demand? It's the difference between immature love and mature love. Immature love is constantly demanding, constantly demanding to be proved, constantly demanding to be returned, constantly, constantly grabbing, right? Immature love sits, holds hands, watches the fire, content with real presence. Advent invites us to trust that what we long for most will come to us. That the best way to seek God is to hold still. This is a parable of trust. In the fullness of time, stillness is an inside job, waiting with hope, expectantly, patiently, present, present in the now. Hardest place in the world to be present, isn't it? Even now while we're talking. 
thinking, we're planning tomorrow or next week or the time down the line, constantly bringing the future into the present. You know that your life right now is the only life in which you will ever meet God? God has no future. He just has now. So if you don't show up in now, we don't meet Him. So as our worship team comes back in, uh, I don't know, Darren, if you wanted to, had, had something else you wanted to, to throw in here, but we're going to spend just a few moments and seek to become present uh, now and, and allow him to, to, to come to us as we wait, uh, wait with him. I just wanted to speak into some of that. I, uh, <clears throat> last year, 13 months ago, was the hardest season of my entire life. I moved here to Long Beach um, with the conviction of planting a church garden. And all the friends that I had coming no longer decided to follow. And you've heard some of the story. Um, And the bravest person I've ever met is my wife, Alex. Because she came from Costa Mesa from a community of 30 great friends in a life group, 25 or so. And... uh, with a heart condition. We, during that season from August to November 24th, 2008, we just celebrated our year anniversary. Um, Alex had this incredible heart condition that forced her into the ER. I've shared this story many a times. But during that season, Bill walked me through that and walked Alex and I through that. It was the hardest season. I was seeking, grabbing after healing, grabbing after every possible prayer meeting Dave, you got to get prayer. I was on my knees nights after night praying for healing. And one day it occurred, I was asking for the gift of healing. But I was grabbing after it. And so I, I stopped seeking uh, the healing of Alex and I started seeking the healer in it. And I remember that time because that, that transition was huge. I no longer prayed. I wasn't this. I remember one time I, we were at a prayer gathering and someone was speaking something to, like that was obviously to Alex and I was trying to shove her into there, but she wasn't ready to go. But it was that moment of just that, that was me rushing. And uh, I, I got to experience that, the, the arrival of healing um, in my life when. Uh, and it didn't come through this dramatic moment, but we celebrate November 24th as a year anniversary for when Alex was healed from a heart condition. It wasn't an exact time, but the season of healing happened right around there. And I think this is huge. I, I was sitting and I was just looking, and I feel like so many of us, this is hitting it right on the head, this busy, frantic where some of us are falling asleep because we're so used to adrenaline, coffee, entertainment, what shows on, and how do we how do we do it? You know, um, with the least amount of interruption. I think this this settles into the core of who we are. I think sometimes we do that with our our walk with God too, our spirituality. You know, we 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 want we want God to be God, but we would really like to have Him take notes when we talk. You know, about what we want from him, what we need from him, what we are expecting mm-hmm. from him to do, what we and when we want him to do it. We've got a we got a bit of time now. Now would be good. And 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 he 
comes gently in his own time when time has become full. He comes gently. So uh, we want to invite you right now to worship in a, new, in a different way. Um, we're just going to lead through a time of silence for a while. Just invite you in this silence right now to reflect on what was said. Just in, offer yourself. Romans 12 says, offer your, your life as a living sacrifice. And just for some of you, may, why don't we just close your eyes right now? We'll just begin this time. It's going to be awkward. We're going to cough. We're going to have these weird twitches, some of us. But it's okay. We're going to do it together. I just want to invite you right now to see yourself on the altar. The Old Testament altar is, is, is kind of a big one. You just see yourself laying there. What that represents, this is an offering to the Lord. What are the thoughts that come to your mind? Is busyness the thing you need to offer back? Is it relationships, dreams, opportunities, jobs, careers, hopes? Maybe some of you are looking for, for brokenness to be healed and you're forcing it like I was. I want to invite you into silence right now. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages from The Garden, or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, please visit our website at thegardenlb.org.